there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where we make getting sleep help easy because I believe you deserve to be a happy, healthy, and well-rested family. But y'all, I have to tell you something. You could do our newborn course. You could make sleep a thing through our baby, toddler, or preschool sleep e-coaching. But do you know what messages I'm getting about sleep help needed? It's not about your kid. It's about you, the mom. Y'all, I know you're tuning into this podcast because you see the title here. It's all about mom insomnia. It's all about your health, your relationship to sleep. You could have the world's best sleeper. You could have the angel baby that you never had to sleep train. You never had to do anything. They just knew what to do. But here you are, unable to fall asleep, waking up in the middle of the night, unable to get the solid rest that you need to be a happy, healthy, and well-rested family, which is why I am so glad that Allison Bowden reached out. She is from Nourishing Radiance. She pitched the idea for insomnia in moms, and instantly, as soon as she hit me up with that subject, I was like, yes, this is a thing. How many times over the years I have heard this this call for help from moms. And so I am so grateful to bring Allison on today to talk about how we can get you the sleep that you need. Allison, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have, I've never had a functional nutritionist that specializes in postpartum health. We have had registered dietitians. Yeah. (laughs) There's not very many of you guys. We've had some dietitians come talk, but not something that is so focused in mother wellness. And this is going to be, I already know this is going to be such a great conversation. Yeah. I'm super excited to dive into all, all the things, motherhood, nutrition, exhaustion, and all of these like symptoms that come with motherhood. Like we're going to, we're going to dive right into all those today. Yeah. One thing. So one of our, our missions here at Little Z's is that we provide online courses. We make it really easy for you to get sleep help and access to sleep help. It's easy. It's affordable. We believe that every family deserves to be happy, healthy, well-rested. That is like, that's our company mission. And that's great. However, you can work really hard. You can do all the things and your, your kids can be great sleepers. Sometimes you don't even have to work hard for it. Sometimes they just naturally do. But then the mom is like, I'm struggling, you know, this is hard. And I, I, this is something we want to unpack together. And before we get into that, I would love for you, cause you just were like, yes, me, I struggled with that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your family, where you are and a little bit about, um, nourishing radiance. Yeah, absolutely. So I am in San Francisco with my family of four. I have two boys. They are five and a half and three and a half. They were both magic sleeping unicorns when they were little. (laughs) Not so much as they got older. I actually originally connected with you because my three-year-old was having some very serious sleep drama after that dreaded change to the big boy bed, big kid bed. Right. Um, and was, was very much so helped by your program. So thank you. Um, I, uh, like I said, I live here in San Francisco. I've been a dietitian for about 10 years. Um, I functional nutritionist is also something that is, is under my umbrella. Kind of the difference is like dietitian training, kind of classic RD training, um, learning a lot about like how to work with people in the hospital, how to work with a diabetic patient, how to work with kidney disease and all of those kind of disease type type things. And then the functional nutrition, I think of more as 
I like to find out what the root causes of things are. So like diabetes management, for example, um, my, my classic registered dietitian training, lots of like carbohydrate counting, making sure that we're keeping blood sugars really stable. And then in functional nutrition, really looking at like the root causes of, of what's going on. Is there, is there a hormonal problem? Is there an inflammation problem? Really trying to dig a little bit deeper to find out what is causing somebody's um, somebody's issues. So how that plays out into what I do today, I specialize primarily on reproductive health. Um, for many years, I did lots of PCOS, fertility, gut health, how that all interplayed together. And then, you know, like so many of us, then I had my own kids, right? Experienced my, my first pregnancy, which, you know, was generally fine. I was a little annoyed by some of the nutrition rules that weren't super founded in science, but I was like, okay, and then my first postpartum experience was wild. <laughs> like I should have been the one to know exactly what to do. You know, I am a dietitian. I do so much work with hormone balance with my, with my own clients, but I was just completely rocked with how I felt, you know, a few months plus postpartum brain fog, lots of anxiety, super fatigued, even though we were sleeping, um, insomnia. So we weren't all sleeping because I was having some issues and then, you know, really dug into what, how I could help myself and, and learn about what's going on, um, nutrient wise, learn what's going on hormonally and like my, my health and wellness turned around really quickly. And then I started seeing patients that had the same experience and I would kind of guide them through kind of what I, what I did for myself and it was just working every, every time. And so that really led to my work specializing in postpartum. And I really consider postpartum to be really the first three, four years after baby, not just that fourth trimester. Um, and, and I created my program radiant mama to walk, walk new moms through that same, same protocol. Um, and so here we are. Yeah. Oh man. I, I very similarly, uh, shared about, you know, the, the like rock bottom experience with your first, it's always the first kid sometimes, <laughs> but it's like that rock bottom. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I don't understand. You're kind of just like shaken with the newness of like mm -hmm. your new reality and the new chapter and the new journey. And that's definitely something that looking at the sleep training um, journey, you know, we, we talk a lot about, and even yes, our own website pages will, will tell you like our end goal is that you'll be able to say, you know, have an amazing bedtime routine with your little one, give them hugs and kisses, lay them down in their bed or their crib, say night, night, leave the room. They put themselves asleep within 10 to 15 minutes. It's bliss. Like you have time and, and you could go to bed whenever you want to. It's easier said than done though. Like that part right. is like, woohoo, your kid sleeps great. Yes. But like, why, why is it that these moms who, um, you know, they, they kind of have a history. They can't just like blink all of a sudden, you know, your kid sleeps all night long. They kind of expect themselves to be like that. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a couple things I want to unpack. So like blanket statement, why, why are these moms having trouble sleeping? Yeah. I really find that there's three angles that we need to observe and it's really different for everybody. You know, what their kind of like particular insomnia trigger or, or sleep difficulty trigger is. And you might even relate a lot of this to what you do with 
with the, the infant sleep and the, and the toddler sleep, right? Um, one of them is, is we, we're focusing so much on our kids' bedtime and what's going on all day with, with our kids that's going to impact the sleep. But it's the same biology. You know, we have the same, you know, sleep hormones, same neurotransmitters, same need for a wind down routine. And in the same way that you're looking at, okay, what, what's, what do nap schedules look like? What, what does nighttime routine look like with our kids? It's really the same for us. And so we can't really expect if we're, you know, waking up and going, going, going all day long, not eating super great, perhaps like a handful of goldfish crackers for, for lunch, um, and then put our kids down and then, you know, scroll Instagram for a couple of hours or, you know, open up the laptop and do a couple more hours of work, you know, we can't really expect our bodies to just be able and our minds just to be able to shut off from that. So part of this just is taking a look at the, the routine and consistent bedtimes, um, what, if there's any kind of rejuvenation or restorative mindful practices that you can do during the day or before bed, um, and then having, you know, lights down and that consistent nighttime routine is, is sounds really simple, but it's super impactful because we, we have all the same parts as our kids, right? And the same the same thing. So that's, that's one thing that can be really, really helpful at um, establishing the night, nighttime routine. Like I really like doing some like gentle yoga with the lights down before bed, sometimes some meditation, and that helps me fall asleep. And then something that is really, really key, but really, really hard to do is sleeping without your phone in the room. Oh yeah. That is a hard one. But like, why can you like, why? Cause I know someone out there's gonna be like, well, I have to have it because like, that's my baby monitor or that's my like I emergency line or something like, what is the big deal? Why do we not need our phone right next to us? So what a couple things, one, I think it's just the psychology of, you know, it's there. And you know that if you wake up in the middle of the night, or if you're having trouble falling asleep, you have this instant like thing to do, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to like entertain you or like, you're a little bored while you're lying there. Right. And I don't want me to like scroll Instagram and see, see what's going on. Um, so that psychology piece of it, if we know that there's like nothing to do. Um, we don't, can't just like reach for it, but then also, you know, the light that that's emitted from it, you know, interacts with, with our sleep hormones. Um, melatonin, you know, we all know of as the, the sleep hormone, right? It's, it's a neurotransmitter, which is kind of similar to a hormone. Melatonin only elevates when it's dark. So you know that, right? Because we're doing like really dark, um, for, for our kids room. But if, after we put the kids to bed, if the lights are all still on really bright, if we're get if we're getting that like blue light emission from, from our devices, you're not going to have a robust melatonin peak, which is going to help you fall asleep. And then if while you're trying to fall asleep, either for the night, or if you wake up in the middle of the night, if you then get a little burst of light, particularly that blue light, then it's, it's going to just mess with your, with your sleep hormones even more. So like, those yeah. are the two reasons, you know, I, I know most people don't have landlines anymore. Right. Um, so the emergency line, like I, I get that, um, you know, sometimes what can also be helpful is just moving it 
across the room mm-hmm. so that it's not, not reachable. It's on like your dresser. And, and so that if somebody calls, it'll probably wake you up. Um, or if you need to, you know, hear the, the baby monitor, I live, I live in a small, small place in San Francisco. So I just hear the baby <laughs> when they were little, we didn't really need monitors. Um, but you know, having it just out of reach so that you can't, can't scroll because you're not going to have the self-control in the middle of the night to be like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, even though it's, you know, half a foot away from, from your head. So keeping it, keeping it far away has been like really helpful for me, you know, mm-hmm. even recently I like implemented that and my sleep actually improved even more. So it becomes just really, really important for boredom yeah. aspect as well as hormonally. Yeah, no. Well, you know, I'm all about the routine. So like having a routine for myself, that's, uh, that's a total key. And part of that, part of my routine that has to happen is I either take a shower or a bath. And even for me that, um, I mean, since when we do fall asleep and since our bodies dip a little bit in temperature, it's same thing as, you know, having the stretching, having that meditation, having that moment where your body gets warm and then you exit that and your body gets a little chilly and it helps you already get ready to fall asleep. That is like my routine. If I can't do that, I actually have a really hard time falling asleep. If I don't take a shower or I don't take a bath, like before I go to bed. And for me, that is like so critical. I know not everybody out there listening is a bath person, but I recommend them. (laughs) That's great. Especially, you know, kind of struggling into the next part, if you put a little Epsom salt in Mm -hmm. in the bath, so Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate and magnesium is a mineral that lots and lots of people are deficient in, um, really across the board. The people that study magnesium actually think that it's kind of just disappearing from the food supply in general, because we need it from really nutrient dense soil and nutrient rich soil. And, and typically kind of the farming practices that that are more in place now don't start with great soil. So even the foods that used to be really rich in magnesium are, are lower now. Um, so, you know, really focusing on magnesium rich foods, and then also sometimes supplementing can be really helpful. And Epsom salts are a great way to supplement with that because you actually absorb it through your skin. Um, so that is, that's another piece that can be really helpful. Um, you know, we have to keep in mind, or if you've never heard of this before, baby making is very expensive and not just like these kids are expensive or IVF was expensive, um, but nutritionally expensive. A lot, a lot, a lot of nutrients are needed for proper fertility, for conception to happen, for growing that baby over nine months, right? And part of my my pet peeves and, and little soapboxes I get on is that we get so much nutrition information and attention and focus around food during pregnancy, right? Lots of people giving us food <laughs> to eat, um, lots of focus on what nutrients to include, you know, a little too much of a focus of um, what to avoid versus what to include, but that's a, a rant for another day. Um, and then the baby's out and it's like, okay, pivot. We're going to focus on, on the baby's nutrition now and, and making sure that the baby's getting enough. But what the reality is that most of us don't go into pregnancy with like a fully topped off set of nutrients, right? And so we're going in maybe a little depleted, a little deficient in different things. For example, iron deficiency, 20 to 30% of women before pregnancy are deficient in iron. Um, And then we use a ton of these nutrients, give them to baby during pregnancy, 
lose a lot during the birthing process and then postpartum healing, not sleeping, the extra stress. And then if we're nursing on top of that, just so many nutrients are lost from mom. And so I, I run, um, nutrient panels, functional nutrient panels on most of my one-on-one patients. So I can see literally all of the vitamins and minerals and amino acids and fatty acids that are, are either sub deficient or deficient in them. And I'm finding that, you know, within the first couple of years postpartum, those are the real times where I see the most deficiencies. And a lot of that shows up in like the, what we call just like just motherhood type type mm-hmm. of symptoms, you know, the exhaustion, insomnia, like we're talking about today, um, hair loss, anxiety, joint pain, um, you know, fatigue again, really just feeling like depleted, moody cycle problems. Like so many of those are actually related to nutrient deficiencies. And it's really just like expected after, after pregnancy that we have a lot of them. But because not a lot of people are talking about that, we don't really think that it needs to be a huge focus. Um, and so that can play into connecting that back to insomnia. Things like magnesium can be deficient and that can be related to not only a difficult time falling and staying asleep, but also things like anxiety, um, uh, muscle contraction problems, um, uh, hypertension can even be related to that. So there's there's a big connection there between different nutrients and and the ease or not so much ease in in falling asleep. I know that was like a big yeah no, but it, but it but it <laughs> makes sense for sure. And kind of that draining of the like you said the postpartum years, um, you kind of just slip into that after you have the child and your you know your body's deficient and it's like well do you plan to catch up sometime? Like you just kind of you know just kind of don't but let's kind of lean into the melatonin for a moment because, you know, people know that I teach no melatonin for children. It's not needed, but you know, there's, and there's also not a ton of research on this because it's a relatively new um, supplement additive out there in the world and it's Mm -hmm. very unregulated. So I'll zip my lips, but I do want to hear about your thoughts on, um, you know, a mom who's like, I'm just, I can't sleep. I think I have insomnia. Okay. So magnesium check, I'll add some Epsom salts. Oh, but like melatonin, I've heard I should have some melatonin gummies. What, what's your take on this? It's a band aid, Um, and it doesn't work for everybody. And I, I use it occasionally in my practice, one-on-one with somebody, usually after doing actually a little bit of hormonal testing and, and actually seeing that there might actually be a, a bit of a melatonin deficiency. But in general, it's really not something I recommend across the board. And if we are trying to boost melatonin, we actually want to do it naturally. And the way that we do that starts in the morning. Um, if you first thing in the morning, you know, maybe after like kids are settled, maybe eating breakfast or something, if you can go outside, even literally open the door, take two steps outside and get early morning sun, 
and then go outside as many times as you can throughout the day. But that early morning sun can, can really set, set the tone there. You will not only get some great vitamin D, it can really help your cortisol regulation, your stress hormone regulation, because we want cortisol to be higher in the day and then go down lower at night to help you fall asleep. But also we make serotonin with sunlight. Um, we need adequate protein to make serotonin as well. We needed up estrogen to make serotonin, but sunlight is really like the trigger for serotonin. And if we can build up like our serotonin bank throughout the day, serotonin can actually turn into melatonin. You know, it's more complicated than that than just like it's straight up turning. Um, but it can, um, with, with the help of some, some different nutrients and cofactors, serotonin turns into melatonin when light turns into dark. So by boosting, starting in the morning, boosting our serotonin production as much as possible, we will naturally make more melatonin. Going back to that sleep routine, by making things dark, avoiding screens, we can actually make make our own. Um, that's how I like to have the melatonin discussion is really, it's not it's not a great band-aid because it doesn't work for very many people. Some people, it makes them too groggy in the morning. The dose is hard to figure out for people, like how much should you be taking? Some people are taking like obscene amounts and way too much. Um, and for a lot of people, it's one of those things where it's, it can work. Um, if it does work, it works in the beginning and then it stops working. And we, we didn't really get the right routines down. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to keep, to keep sleep well. Right. Um, so, and which I know is something you talk like, get your kids sleeping and then keep your kid <laughs> sleeping. Right. So it's kind of the same thing with, with mom and dad, as far as the melatonin goes. So I'm not a fan. Yeah. So if a mom is listening, they're like, okay, all right, I am struggling with this and I get the whole magnesium thing. Okay. Not melatonin. Wait, you said something about getting my hormones checked. So is that actually step one of all of this is like, if you are having issues sleeping, uh, and this is chronic issues, even maybe not chronic issues, you're just obviously a new mom, getting your hormones checked doesn't sound like a bad idea for everybody, but I don't know. What do you, what's your take on that? I mean, we definitely can, you know, I, I usually look at it two different ways. Um, like, so say somebody's in my radiant mama program and they're, and they're going through, through the, the program, learning about what to eat, learning about what foods to include. We, we talk about supplements in the program as well. We do one of two things. If somebody is very like data-driven and just like wants to dive in like uh, fast and furious with it, like sure, we can do all, we can run all the tests. We can check all the things straight out of the gate. So we have a very personalized roadmap for like, okay, this is your unique deficiency, your unique, you know, hormone that we want, want to focus on and we can dive right in. Or, and I usually recommend this route at first, going through the, the program that I have, or really working on your, your meals and having nice balanced meals, really working on replenishing your rest throughout the day, really working on, um, balancing hormones naturally by, with stress reduction and eating the right foods that supports our overall hormone. And then if after that, we still have some nagging stuff, we can dive a little bit deeper. But I would say, you know, with the people that I work with, the women that I work with, 
um, either one-on-one or in the, in the group program, you know, most of them feel better a lot faster in terms of like things like anxiety, insomnia, fatigue. Those are probably like the top three things that, that people come in for. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the majority of them end up just doing really well with the nutrition changes and we don't necessarily need to need to dive in, but there's, you know, some cases that need a little extra support or, or sometimes we just want to go to town right away. Yeah. Testing and see what's going on. Yeah. No, that's fun. I super nerd out on them. I love (laughs) the results. I'm like, Ooh. (laughs) Oh, I really, I've had my hormones checked, um, twice, I believe, because we have his, my maternal side has history of, um, of some, you know, just different, um, hormone level issues. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then I had an ovarian cyst. And so we checked that out cause it was producing more hormone hormones and yeah. things like that. And it's, it was so interesting to me. I didn't actually look at all the information. It was more, so we wanted to make sure it was normal and not too much. Um, and it was like, okay, you're all normal. And it just kind of was like, okay, yes, I'm normal. Like, <laughs> like for me, that was like confirmation yeah. in a way, but definitely I would like to, uh, probably the next thing I want to discuss is eating. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of the mom who, and I have friends who, you know, they love to snack after baby goes to bed, right? Like, this is my time. I'm going to veg out like literally, and just like, you know, have all my foods that I snack on, watch my shows. Is this contributing to the insomnia? Yes and no. Um, so I'm generally not a fan of snacking. And I find that the typical pattern that, that I see is we're having meals that are too small, meals that like just enough to not be hungry, but not enough to really satisfy and fill you. And then also give you all the building blocks that you need, you know, for hormonal balance, for example, And then at the end of the night, it catches up with us. You know, kids are in bed. We're maybe not like in that adrenaline rush anymore, you know, especially, you know, stay-at-home moms working from home during a pandemic with kids, you know, all all of that. You know, it's it's easy to not feel really hungry all day because our adrenaline is just kind of taking over, maybe having like one too many cups of coffee, right? And then by the end of the day, the hunger can catch up with us. And so you know, what we don't love about that, you know, is one that we're not getting the right balance that just supports that whole day ebb and flow of hormones. You know, when we, when we talk about hormones, there's a bunch of different hormones that, that we have. They're all, we call them chemical messengers. They're all telling our body to kind of like do or behave in a certain way. Right. And the few that I focus on are, are generally cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, and thyroid hormone. And if we take a look at cortisol, we want cortisol to be high in the morning, helps us like get some energy, get out of bed, and then slowly go down um, all day long. And our food pattern, actually, we do better when we mimic that. Having a, a big breakfast, a nice size lunch, and then a slightly smaller evening meal that supports the cortisol up and down that can then kind of prime you for bed. And when we're eating a lot, like if dinner is the biggest meal, um, typically is <laughs> for most people, right? And then if we're snacking a lot at the end of the day, 
our digestive system now is energized because it has a lot to do. And that can make it a little bit difficult for your body to fall asleep because it's just like busy with, with lots of stuff. So I like actually front loading meals, having breakfast and lunch be decent size, um, having, you know, a, a medium or a small, smaller dinner, and then, um, and preferably no snacking. Um, so that hormonally, I think sets the stage for better sleep. Now there is, there are some caveats there, you know, if somebody is like very new postpartum, you know, that the food and calorie demand is a lot higher with, with the healing and the, you know, constant interruptions from, from newborn, um, particularly if, if, um, if she's nursing. Right. So in that case, we'll probably need some snacks added in, um, throughout there, but we still want to focus on those bigger meals first. Um, occasionally again, in, in kind of that stage of just like high calorie demand, we can get some blood sugar dips in the middle of the night and having a protein rich snack protein by itself or protein with a little bit of starch, um, can help keep blood sugar stable throughout the night, um, which can be helpful for, for insomnia. So there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of different angles for insomnia. Um, it's not necessarily one size fits all thing that we want to do. We want to try like a few things at a time to see if we can get, get a handle on it. Um, but there, there can be a few different things that are unique to different people. Yeah, no, this was definitely really helpful. And I think kind of overall checking back, um, first things first, you and I love routines. So like, Hey, yeah. you can start on that tonight. You can start making a bedtime routine and it doesn't, you know, th- this is what I love about, okay, your kid sleeps great. Now it's time for your routine. You don't, you don't have to be confined to a 20, 30 minute routine. If you don't have an hour routine, go for it. like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's your time. Um, within that you mentioned, you know, you like to do some stretching and the meditation part of that. I like to do shower bath. Are there any components that are like, oh, this is actually really helpful for a mom who's struggling with sleep? Well, I think one is, is getting off the screens. I think a little bit of TV can sometimes be okay. As long as it's not like turning the news on, like my mother (laughs) at night will like turn the news on and like find out all the the craziness that happened during the day. I'm like, worst thing, worst thing to do. Um, my, my husband really likes to watch stand-up comedy at night and I'm like, Vito, okay. (laughs) I want something, something chill and something nice. Um, but you're getting off like, like the laptop, the screens that are close to you, right. You know, a TV that's a bit far away can sometimes be, be slightly helpful. Um, but a routine that involves, darkness, a routine that involves, um, really kind of like unwinding and unplugging. However, that looks a little bit of music in the bath with the Epsom salts sounds really great and checks those boxes. Meditation can also be great. Um, even meditation you can do in the morning meditation you can do before bed. A lot of people like to have it as part of their wind down routine, because that can be really helpful. There's, um, some certain practices called, um, yoga nidra, yoga nidra. I'm not sure how to, how to, um, pronounce that, that have been shown to really help with sleep. It's like a 15 or 20 minute guided exercise, guided meditation exercise that can help with sleep. There's a, a, an abundance of research that shows that meditation can help, can help with sleep. Um, so that I really like to add in as part of the nighttime routine, but anything kind of, kind of just slow it can also be a little bit of journaling. It can be reading a real book <laughs> before, Imagine that. <laughs> Um, before, before you go to bed, um, for those that have 
with like ruminating thoughts or worries or have a hard time turning the, your brain off. I really like journaling before bed um, because it like really leg- literally and figuratively we get kind of the, the, the to-do list or, you know, that, that mental load or the kind of more worries or anxieties literally in your brain to get outside your body via journaling and writing it down, close the book, put it away. That can be really helpful at kind of like quieting your mind. If, um, you know, once that, once the kids are asleep and once you have that quiet time, if that's when your brain kind of picks up the pace, um, that can be helpful at just like, okay, I'm done with these things. I can put them away and doing that as a nightly practice can be really helpful. So it doesn't so much matter. You know, I, I, why I like the things that kind of slow both your body and your mind. So like the, the bath really works for that. The shower really works for that. The, the light switching, the meditation, the journaling, you, know, you don't have to do them all because that feels, I'm sure very overwhelming as I'm listing all those things out at the same time, but pick one or two, turn the lights down low, get off the screens. And that is a really, really good start for, for falling asleep. Yeah, no, definitely. This has been, um, a lot of good things to just kind of remind moms about because they may have had this before the kid, right? You may have been focusing on that. And then it's just, like you said, it's depleted afterwards. And it is, um, like a few, many months ago, I shared just like a, a post about a bedtime routine for mom, like take care of yourself. And it's just kind of like something in my head. I was like, I'm just going to like throw this out there. So on my, it was on my heart and it like blew up and like all these people sharing it. And I was like, Oh yes, this is a message that needs to resonate. (laughs) Right. Like sometimes because, we focus so much at little Z's on like your child, your child, your child. It's then time to like turn around and be like you, like it's, it's your time now, mm-hmm. you know? And that's really part of our, um, you know, uh, part of our daily messages that families get in our program is like, Hey, let's, let's start thinking about you getting a babysitter, you having time and what you're going to do after that. And it's, um, it's really should be that whole picture so that the happy, healthy, well-rested family is a thing and you can be that too. So this was super helpful. I would love for you to share where families can connect more with what you have to offer your radiant mama program, everything that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Instagram. It's probably the most active place I am. I also just joined clubhouse, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so I'm not super active there. Um, but, uh, nourishing underscore radiance is, is my Instagram nourishingradiance.com is my website where you can also find my radiant mama program. Um, and it's a, it's a five module program to really go from not feeling great after kids and, and whatever that means, lots of energy dips, exhaustion, insomnia, anxiety, hair loss, joint pain, headaches, you know, all kind of the things that we put on, oh, it's just motherhood. Um, I really reject that idea. And, and I find that going through the Radiant Mama program, we really refuel you, replenish in a way that can then also balance hormones and just feel, feel good again. You know, like, like you used to before kids or in a, in a different way because life is different now. Um, and that you can find on my website at nourishingradiance.com. Yes. Oh, this was so helpful. I firmly agree. This is not something that you just have to survive because you became a parent now. Like you, that's, that's garbage. (laughs) That is not, that's not a real message. So stop listening to those lies. Um, so I'm so glad that you were here and chatting with us. Um, and this is going to be so helpful. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. 
Thank you guys so much for being here today. Don't forget to scroll down in the show notes and check out Allison's course, Radiant Mama. This is to help you get the sleep, the rest, the health, the nutrition, the wellness, the happiness, the optimal living that you can have. And we want you to be a happy, healthy, and well-rested family. Sweet dreams. See you next time.